Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to the Money Podcast. I'm excited about today's episode because we actually have other uh, podcast hosts. We're also podcasts that I listen to, uh, hosts of the Nickish Podcast, Noah Nafi. Welcome. Welcome, Mo Nafi. Thank you, man. Thank you for having us on the show. Uh, we're both big fans of everything you've been doing with Bengalis in New York, and sure. we're happy to be on. Thank you. Yeah, and appreciate absolutely. you having us on. Yeah, and I'm wearing my next gear. Nice. Uh, nice. But uh, but also just depending on how this conversation goes, I got. Oh uh, no! Oh, we starting off on that foot, bro. (laughs) You got you got to convince you got to convince me now. But uh, I'm excited. I listen to your your podcast, um, and I uh, I really like I like to listen to people that are really enthusiastic about the topics they talk about. And you guys are really enthusiastic about the Knicks and sports, and it and it shows. uh, you know, in your, in your work product. So I'm glad to have you on. And I um, also have two of my friends on who are really into the Knicks. Mohammed and, and Sunny are both on. So they're going to come into into the podcast a little bit later to talk about hardcore Knicks stuff. But I wanted to get started about how you guys uh, got started with the idea of, of, a, of a podcast and specifically, you know, about, about the Knicks. So what, what, what made you want to start a podcast? Well, you know, Nafi and I are actually childhood friends. We they're pictures of us since we were like two or three. We're not we're <laughs> like family friends, but you know, he and I both have full time jobs apart from this podcast. And no matter what has been going on the last fifteen, twenty years, we're always hitting each other up for whatever stupid thing the Knicks had done, and we would just vent to each other. <laughs> and you know, I, I think it was a couple of years back. I want to say mid twenty eighteen, Nafi. And I just came up with this idea. We're like, you know, we have pretty good conversations. We know a little thing or two about the Knicks. And a lot of fans out there tend to say things that we disagree with or even agree with. And we figure, why not just see what we can do with the podcast and just talk a little bit about about the Knicks and just put our conversations out there. Because we're sure that other people out there agree with us and feel connected to what we have to say. And, you know, from 2018, uh, we started, we start, you know, practicing a little bit in the summer. And then uh, right around the start of that, 1819 season uh we start putting out these episodes nafi what's one thing you hear people say about the knicks that you disagree with that i'm always just saying we disagree with i um, mean yeah. from the start honestly just started with disagreeing with a lot of a lot of the stuff that we heard just from like online fans you know what i mean and just like in real life so we're just like yo we exchange these messages all the time about things we like just disagree with why not bring it to a podcast and one of those main things that you can listen to the early episodes is just like People loving Enos Canner. I don't know if you remember him yeah. when we yeah, had yeah, him on yeah. our team. Yeah, so, yeah. like, a lot of, uh, I feel like that was the main inspiration for a starting podcast. It's just both me and Niloy, or me and my partner Mo over here. Apologies. That's, that's his uh, personal name. Mm. But, Not um, <laughs> Bengalis know. Bengalis know. Yeah, we got two names usually. Most I gave, of us, right? I gave my, my Egyptian friend Mohammed a Bengali name. Oh, oh yeah? What is that? <laughs> yeah, I call him Kudu Salam. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the main things we disagree with, honestly. Where where are you in, uh, are you, are you, did you grow up in New York as well? Uh, yeah, we both pretty much grew up in the same neighborhood. It's like Astoria okay. to Woodside, you know what I mean? So it's like somehow Bengalis just seem to migrate at the same time, you know what I mean? So, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, we grew up in areas that had a lot of basketball courts, and that's of kind of why we resonate a lot with basketball and just Knicks. I know Nafi had his uncles who were kept watching, and me, I, you know, I think Nafi's a big reason why I became as big a Knicks fan as I've become. 
Um, and, you know, we, we used to play ball a lot uh, around different courts all around. There's 52nd Street, Windmiller Park. There's PS Level. We used to climb the fence to go play basketball, which, I mean, technically it's trespassing. But, I mean, it, it's neither here nor there. We, we wanted to play ball. We've had tons of games. And, you know, NBA basketball is just something that we lived and breathed for, for years. Do kids play basketball now? I feel like everybody's playing video games and uh, virtual reality. Real point. I mean, it's tough to say with the pandemic, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, even before, even before pandemic, I feel like I don't know. I don't like. I see, I see a lot of parks empty. I remember growing up. I grew up in Brooklyn. So difficult to get like a game because so mm. parks are so packed. You would get next or next after next, and yeah, like oh, eight I, people with next. Exactly. You got to ask like who got next, yeah. and another guy yeah. had next after him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think if if we were playing the courts nowadays, the play style is a lot different. I think when we were playing every day and had the time to play every day, we were we had LeBron and really like you know guys like Derrick Rose whose play style we cop. And nowadays, everyone on the courts are just taking step back three. It's like three is yeah. like eight feet behind I, the line. I think they Steph Curry like nowadays yeah. these kids, you know. Well, the data supports it. No, what do you guys think about that? Because the data supports like like the statisticians they say the more you know the more you take, even if you miss few. The numbers support taking more threes, no? That's a fact. I mean, that's for the NBA. I mean, outside of the NBA, though, you know what I mean? Not everybody can shoot like that, you know? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What's been one thing that surprised you about, you know, hosting a podcast? Like, what's one thing that you you didn't know that you would have access to or, you know, to surprise you most about having a podcast? Well, I mean, I think the first thing that surprised me is really the ease of it of doing a podcast. And I think, you know, a lot of people, especially around our age who are still relatively early in their full-time careers feel that they don't have time to get into their own hobbies and talk about it. And for us, it was basketball and NBA. And, uh, you know, at first, the first couple of months or so, it's just taking time to learn how to put a podcast together, getting the right equipment and really having, building that consistency to talk about it and working out the production part of it. So it's a lot to learn, but that's something that, is that you have to do early on and then after that it's just streamlining it and really it becomes a fairly easy setup to go by and record every week so i know early on we were having a little bit of difficulty we ended up doing like once every two three weeks and now we're putting out about three four podcasts a week so i wow. think that was something that was uh surprising to me at least that's it's really not that hard to put out a podcast yeah. and something that i'd recommend anybody <laughs> to do it's it's relatively simple um, everybody has interest outside of their outside of their jobs and you know it's something that's easy to talk about yeah i mean i echo my partner i mean it's especially easy when you do it like somebody you're really cool with you know what i mean we basically grew up together so it's just like us having a regular conversation except with a mic in front of us you know and i mean to answer your question just what was so surprising is just how i don't want to say easy but like how accessible it was to get dudes to come on and you know join us to talk about basketball you know what i mean a lot of yeah. the content creators we followed before we got into it it was, you know, pretty willing and able to join us and, you know, even give us some tips here and there. And, you know, we recently just partnered up with uh, Nothing But Nicks, um, the wow. NBK network, you know what I mean? So, wow. and our, our guy, Sim, actually showed up on our last show when I couldn't make it. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a testament to him and just like giving us just tips and helping us on the side as well. You know what I mean? So I think that's one thing that kind of surprised me, just how collaborative it really has been just getting into the podcasting world. Yeah, you guys had Alan Houston, John Starks, Willis Reed. Uh, how was that? Like, which are like, uh, tell us how shocked you were to. That's my bro over here. That's all him. He got yeah, the connections. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we had Starks, um, Houston. We had Bernard King. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to interview Willis Reed. And I'm sorry, uh, yeah. 
and Herb Williams was yeah. was really the fourth guy, and that was an that was an awesome experience. It was kind of it felt very surreal to be sitting next to guys that we grew up idolizing, and just watch tons and tons of tons of YouTube footage on, and uh, it was an awesome one of the you know best moments I've ever had, and um, you know it was surprising to see how willing they were to speak to us and just answer questions and stay as long as they needed to. And just because it's, it's very nice to see how interested they are in their own game, even though they've been away from basketball, at least day to day uh, for at least two or so decades uh, for Bernard King a little longer. And they're just very willing and very knowledgeable with, with the game. Uh, Bernard King even wrote his own book and he was just spitting out facts left and right about the game. And, um, it was just a lot to take away, and it was an awesome experience for for Nickish. Well, I forget what do you what's you have a day job as well, but what what's your day job? Uh, the day job is uh, working in IT. You know what I mean. Oh wow. Um, I work on the government contracting side. Can't really dig any more or get any more specific than that, obviously. But yeah, it's um it's kind of a grind. So just like having this outlet, you know what I mean? Just like talk hoops, talk basketball. With my homie over here. It's uh, it helps to kind of relieve that day to day stress. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. And I uh, I studied civil engineering, and now I work in a construction company as a project manager, uh, working on developing pretty pretty awesome stuff. Um, some buildings, some airports, and uh, you know, even though we re- record and talk about basketball a lot, I I'm happy, I'm lucky enough to say that I, I get to enjoy my full time job as well. Yeah, I asked because you know we have a lot of people, and we've done a lot of um, posts and spoken to a lot of people that about you know, following your passion and there's two schools of thought. Some people say, you know, you follow your passion and it feels like you're never working. And then other people say that, you know, if you follow your passion, um, you won't enjoy it anymore because, you know, it becomes a job and it becomes stressful and you have to make money for it. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Cause you're, you're doing, you have a day job that obviously probably pays the bills and you're doing something that on the side, that's your passion. Kind of a deep question, Mo. You can take that one. I'll throw you the alley. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks a lot, man. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I think I, I'm going to go back to what I was saying, where I was fortunate enough to be able to work on a daily basis on a career that I genuinely very much love to do. And I'm going to take a step back a little bit because when we were starting this podcast, I was still in my first year of working full time in my career. And it was something that my parents weren't necessarily understanding and, of. And they're just, they thought, that this podcast was more of a distraction to my actual career. Um, but, you know, there are certain exams I needed to take or certain certifications I needed that I was kind of just putting off because I was so focused mm-hmm. on the podcast. But it was, I, I think, because I was lucky enough to like my job and work towards it, you know, two years later, I became a certified engineer, but also we're w- working on this podcast even more. So I think as long as, as long as you've, you have a hobby that you're interested in so working towards it. You don't have to do it on a full-time basis. We don't have to be full-time podcasters, but because we're so, you know, we're, we love it. And the fact that so it comes so easy to us to be able to record it, we're willing to put out 15, 20 hours a week on top of yeah. our full-time jobs to do it. And it feels like nothing. It doesn't feel like a stressor on top of us. We're not necessarily doing this podcast for money. There's not, there's not much monetization to it. It's really just for our own passion and yeah. love for the game and just, you know, New York Knicks basketball. Nafi, what do your parents think about you podcasting? Um, I mean, they think it's pretty cool, I'd say. I mean, they, it's like explain the podcasting kind of like platform is tough. So we just kind of tell them it's a radio show. You know what I mean? I feel like my boy yeah. Mo yeah. is the same. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. they dig that, you know, and they know that like me and Mo have been cool for a minute. So it's just like 
us two guys using it as an outlet to do, you know, talk about something we love. So they understand that aspect, even though they may not understand just like spending hours on it, you know? Wow. So I'm not even, I'm not a superstitious person, but this podcast was scheduled on the day of our fantasy draft that oh, nice. Sonny and Sonny and Mo are on, which is, I just realized that's the case. That, that's shocking to me. So, so uh, Sonny and Mo are really into, so they're like, they, they, they're more into the league. I'm an auto drafter. So that's what they call me. I, I auto draft, <laughs> but uh, that's probably what I'll do later tonight too. But uh we're going to get into some next questions because these guys had some really good questions about the next. I don't know. So, uh, so Mo, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Um, what do you think is lacking from the Knicks culture that keeps them from being, uh, being a winning team in New York? Uh, do you think it's the pressure of playing in New York? Do you think it has anything to do with it? I'll take that one, Mo. No, nah, man, you got this one. I'll throw the alley right back at you. <laughs> um, honestly, I feel like the biggest obstacle... I mean, that's kind of a hard question. It's like trying to account for like the last, what was it, 10 years, basically? Um, 20. 20, yeah, and then like that short period with uh, Melo. But I think the biggest thing is just like James Dolan and like impatience, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's like, what, what more can we say? You know, James Dolan kind of, he the people he hires, you know what I mean? Like, hey, he hired who, like a couple years back, Phil, and he gave him the power to do whatever he wanted. And then it turned out Phil was actually bad at his job. You know what I mean? So it was the right idea, you know, hiring somebody with a like a connection to basketball and letting him do what he wants. But then it's just like picking the right people, you know? After that, he hired one of his own boys, Steve Mills. You know what I mean? And like, it, nothing more needs to be said. That's the dude that traded Porzingis. That's the dude that basically ran the Knicks into the ground for the last three years, you know? And that's somebody that James Dolan has been close to since like, the same 20 years you know what I mean so it's really just comes down to ownership and I guess right now knock on wood I feel like he made the right choice be hard Leon Rose um World Wide West you know these guys are known out there especially World Wide West this dude's getting name dropped by Drake and Jay-Z you know what I mean so it's like putting people out there that know what they're doing that got the actual good connections and you know trusting in them and hoping Dolan don't meddle you know what I mean so I think that's the biggest thing to change the culture and I mean it also starts with coaching, honestly. You know, we just hired Tibbs, you know, Tom uh, Thibodeau, who, you know, he's known as, like, this guy don't, don't take no shit, basically. You know what I mean? So he's here to kind of change that culture. And, like, I don't know. I mean, apologies. I don't know if cursing is allowed on this podcast. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Only but, in um, Bangla. You can only curse in Bangla. Oh, my fault. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need to work on that, though. So I'll, I'll get back to you. But, um, yeah, I mean, Tibbs is basically here to change the culture. And I feel like he's an extension of the new front office. and it's really just, I don't know, it's the same old, same old. We got to put hope. And right now, it seems like we got, you know, the right people to hope in. Right. I'll let Mo take it from here, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I pretty much echo everything Nafi's saying. I think it's really just that lack of patience that we've seen yeah. from the last 20 years. It's really why we're giving up, you know, two, three first-round picks for players that are way past their prime. And we've seen that time and time again. And... um it's, there's also that little, that bit of pressure for, I want to say, 15 out of the 20 years uh, in, in the Knicks organization where there would be a sudden rush to try to win a title or make it to a playoffs ASAP. And just, you know, Bargiani was, is a prime example of that. Joe Kim Noah yeah. giving the man $72 million for a guy who only ended up playing just a handful of games. And it's really just the last five years where we saw, we, we've seen that shift where 
fans for the front office coaching you know top to bottom you know we've seen different personnels and personalities in those last five years preach patience and try to build and develop that culture so uh that's all led led up to what we have now which is a very young team the youngest team the knicks have ever had the oldest mm-hmm. player on the team right now is 28 years old only and that's that's something that's unprecedented for the knicks uh the knicks have all their picks the knicks have all of their young players that they drafted they have a winning coach and they have a president who knows players all around the NBA and their agents and has very great connections. I think Phil Jackson didn't have, he just had the pedigree of being a good coach, but he wasn't the right guy to lead the front office. So it's really just that patient impatience and just a lack of uh, cohesion from the whole organization and fans alike. Yeah. The NBA would benefit for the, from the Knicks being uh, uh, in a playoff bound team, right? It's such a big it's market. A it would be great. I saw a chart one time with uh, Cablevision's revenue and, you know, how much the Knicks bring in. Knicks bring in a very small percentage of what Joel Dolan makes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, 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 like, it's like our side gig. Like, he doesn't... So I just don't know in terms of, like, importance to him it's, if, it's, if it's really that important to him. I mean, he just makes, ha- like, money hand over fist anyway. You know what I mean? Like, proof is in the pudding. Like, we still, like... Even despite yeah. it being a small percentage That's of true. like his revenue, it's like we're still the most valuable franchise, even though like we haven't won anything even close to a championship in like 50 years. You know what I mean? Like that just I think that's why Dolan got complacent for a while and just kind of let these dudes that like he trusted and liked, but that were that weren't necessarily like smart basketball people handle things because to him, it wasn't really any dent in his pockets. Right. But then I think over time, you know, he just got tired of even just getting publicly ridiculed about what's going on with the Knicks, you know what I mean? So he just finally decided to hire uh, a super agent, you know, Leon Rose, somebody that, like, my partner Mo mentioned, got super powerful clients. Like, I mean, the list is, like, includes LeBron, Carmelo, CP3, guys like that. So he's putting his trust in a dude that he came to know for a couple years, you know what I mean? And let's Mm. hope that, you know, it works because, you know, it, it may not mean much to his, you know, bottom line, but... It's still, you know what I mean? We all got pride as human beings. I think he's just tired of being like a, a joke, basically. At least I hope so. <laughs> Since we were on the topic of Dolan, I just wanted to ask you guys, uh, what was your take on his beef with Oakley? Uh, personally, uh, before you guys weigh in, I just wanted to say, like, I feel Dolan was definitely wrong. Uh, but in a Knicks fan's eyes, the stuff that Oakley was doing afterwards, I really didn't like, like, he was uh, encouraging free agents not to come to New York. Like, he celebrated Durant and Kyrie going to Brooklyn. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So, yeah, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about that. Sure. You know, the, the whole matter is just a very unfortunate situation. Um, you, don't, you don't ever want to see the owner of a team intentionally, you know, get rid of, a honored like NBA veteran and a guy who was, you know, at, at a point the heart and soul of the Knicks in the '90s. Um, he was a, a fan favor of the team, and and you know, it's not something you'd, you'd want to see. You know, just to play devil's advocate, he had he had the right to do whatever he wants because he owns MSG. He is the owner of, and if he felt that Charles Oakley was saying or doing something that he disagreed with, he has every right to do it. As as much as we may disagree with it, and you know everything that Charles Oakley was saying afterwards about Pat Ewing and just free agency, just you just don't like to see it. And that's why we're seeing news this week that there's a whole lawsuit between them, and that's that's really where we stand right now. Um, it's just a it's just an unfortunate situation that we have to 
it's just an unnecessary distraction, unfortunate situation we have to deal with in, in the Knicks. I mean, I agree with my partner. I think that's just like comes down to like Dolan being Dolan. We know like for years now he's a petty dude and we know what type of dude Oakley is too. Like he's, and he, even back to his playing days, if he got beef with somebody, it's always going to be on site. You know what I mean? So with Oakley and Dolan, it's like the worst mix possible. You got two basically yeah. petty dudes that will, won't let a grudge go. So this is like what's happening, you know what I mean? Like out there in public. So at this point as a Knicks fan, it's like not none yeah. of us really like Dolan, but it's also like we can all admit Oakley ain't really moving the right way. You know what I mean? Like I always thought Oakley right. was a solid dude, you know what I mean? And this ain't really what a solid dude would do. So yeah. this is my thoughts on it. It's just ugly all around, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was a little shocked by Oakley's nice. reactions. What do you guys think of the, you know, the current regime, like, what's what's their uh, thought processes? So, for example, if if it, let's say there's a big star that's uh, that becomes available to them in the trade line uh, trade deadline, like Carl uh, uh, Anthony Towns, do you think the Knicks' approach would be to trade away young assets, trade away picks to go get that you know that dude, that number one guy, or do you think they're going to just stick to this uh, rebuilding process through the draft? Honestly, I really do think like if somebody like Cat was on the table this trade deadline, they they wouldn't hesitate to like put a package together. Because I mean, I I don't know how like you know you get all trusting everybody trusting journalists to their own extent, but I kind of put some weight behind some of the reports we saw this summer or this off season. I mean, like they try to go after Gordon Hayward, but then you know Charlotte went crazy with that deal. You know what I mean? They probably saved us from ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. It was in talks about Westbrook. Um, but then, you know, that he went to Washington. So it's like they've been close to all these guys, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, if it comes down to it, I think Leon Rose and Tibbs, honestly, like Thibodeau even said recently, like we need to do whatever it takes to get a star, you know? So if Carl Anthony Towns is available and say what you will, you know, he's talented still, even despite all the losing. If he's out there. I think Leon Rose, who I think they were like, yo, Mo, like Cat was his client, right? Like I'm pretty Carl sure he is, but... I, I'm going to interject a little bit. Cat's old coach was Tibbs. They didn't get along too well. So maybe let's if we go hypothetically with a different player outside of Cat, um, they probably will because this is a team that's not ready to lose for five more seasons. And that's the reason why they kept all their – they have all their draft picks. They want to keep that cap flexibility and set themselves up for a, a player. And if it's someone who's Cat's is, is a caliber of Carl Anthony Towns, then you know a player like that doesn't come around often. And the Knicks are in a position for it's not like the first time ever where they have the capability of making those big kind of trades. Something along the lines of what the Lakers did a couple of years back, where they had young players and draft assets, and they were able to make a trade for Anthony Davis. And you know, opportunities like that don't come often. We just have to hope that whenever they do pull the trigger on, if they ever do, it's not for a player who's past his prime or isn't going to be able to you know perform at a level that they've been able to perform at in the past. But, you know, Leon Rose, this is his first season. I don't think he's looking to have another losing season, at least, you know, record-breaking losing season, I think. And same, same with Tibbs. This, this guy is one of the most winningest coaches in the last two decades. We saw, we've seen with the Bulls. He did really well, or fairly well, with the Wolves. Uh, I don't see him wanting to do the same for two seasons on the Knicks. I want to add to that, too. Leon Rose, like I said, used to be Carmelo's agent. So he's he's had a relationship with Dolan for at least like a decade now. So he knows how Dolan moves. If he if Dolan doesn't see progress within like two, three years, he always fires the front office. You know what I mean? So I think Leon Rose realizes that. So if a dude like Cat or even like Embiid is out there available, I think we're going to do whatever it takes to get him. So 
I definitely do think we're out there for a star like Hunting. You know, for some of the people that uh, don't follow basketball and or and, and or or the Knicks closely that, that listen to the podcast, talk about. Can, can you talk about? So you hear these numbers thrown around, right? And people that don't have you know don't have uh, insight into it, like these numbers, these contracts. You know, Gordon Hayward, you talked about the amount of money he got. You know, is ridiculous, and I'm sure people think about like what the where. How are these ballplayers getting all this money? Can you talk about how basketball is different from some of these other sports in terms of guaranteed versus non-guaranteed contracts, but also where the money comes from? Like, I, I think, like, if I was somebody that's not, you know, familiar with this stuff, like, just curious, like, why? Because, you know, you always hear people say, oh, doctors make X amount, X amount, or lawyers make X amount, teachers make 40000 a year, but uh, why are these guys making so much? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, just stepping back, like, what, what would you say to somebody like that? Was that a head nod towards me? It's a heavy question. Um, so are you talking about... a heavy podcast, bro. No, I'm joking. I I mean, you talk about like the type of people that just like kind of, I don't want to say complain, but they note how like athletes are overpaid and like doctors and people need to be paid more. I mean, I'll be honest, I agree with that, but that's not the world we live in, right? Like, I mean, we all know doctors, they save lives, they're surgeons, like they're essential frontline workers right now, especially with what's going on. But I mean... Sports business is a sports business, you know what I mean? It's like multi-billion dollar industry, you know what I mean? Like billionaires are buying NBA teams at like the higher, highest rate in a while, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if you ask it where that money comes from, it just comes from billionaires. Because like, I think um, a couple years back, like Steve Ballmer, dude that founded Microsoft with Bill Gates, he just bought the Clippers and like he $2 paid million. it for it. Yeah, yeah, he paid for it in all cash, I think, or something like yeah. that, because he got it like that. It's like pocket change for him, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like when you ask where the money comes from, it just comes from billionaires, basically, and it is yeah. what it is at this point. Like, it's a tragedy that, like, we got, you know, surgeons that are, like, making a fraction of what, like, a bench warmer can make, but, I mean, as fans, we just kind of got to deal with that, right? Like, what is there to really do about it from our perspective? But yeah. I'll let Mo weigh in. Yeah, and I, I like that you asked this question, Cam. I know you're you're big on finance and financial questions. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it does come from billionaires, and there are a lot of routes to where money comes in revenue wise with with regards to basketball. Sports betting is getting huge, and it's only getting bigger by the day. Um, and you know, as as the game gets bigger, more internationally, and these billionaires are more willing to pay their players more. They the NBA the NBA players union, the NBA itself have a much better relationship than they have in years past when David Stern was commissioner. Um, I know the current commissioner, Adam Silver, seems like he's doing whatever he can to make sure that the players are happy, which is good to see. And I'm sure they have their own form of negotiation that they make uh, because players now that shouldn't be getting as, or who wouldn't have gotten this money if they played say 10 years ago are making an, an absorbing crazy amount of money. Um, and that's where we're just in a position now where revenue and advertising and marketing yeah. and situation and billionaires are just getting these players paid more. We see it with baseball too. And, and even football to an extent, uh, Patrick Mahomes made how much, uh, with, with this contract? Billy. Something, something, something like that. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad you brought up the merch stuff. Cause yeah, I think that's the other thing. Like the fact that we paid whatever we paid for this, we were willing to pay it. I mean, the actual cost behind this is probably like a dollar, right? Yeah. We paid whatever we pay. We paid for a logo. Um, we're paying for the tickets. We're paying for those products that are sponsoring the NBA games because they're the ones that are paying for those TV contracts. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much. Like, so there's so many things that we understand. I mean, we're willing to pay for it. But the other thing I feel like, and just to play devil's out, I, I feel like 
there's only a few people in the world that can do what LeBron does. Exactly. I mean, there's literally like nobody can do like even a bench warmer, like you said, Nafi. That yeah. bench warmer is better than ninety percent of the ninety nine percent of the people that we could see yeah. in these uh, in the basketball courts. You know, like mm-hmm. so. I mean, yeah, they they're not as good as uh, LeBron, but they're probably still better than anybody we know. For sure, exactly. Like Frank Milikina gets a lot of like you know BS from fans about like his lack of offensive game, but he'll walk into any court in New York City destroy. right now and drop fifty. Like destroy, yeah. You know what I mean? So like they're the top one percent in the world at what they do. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and 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 also, uh, you know, I grew up playing basketball in the courts. Also, uh, and I remember, I remember kids that were um, really, really good, like just like nasty, but they couldn't uh, keep their grades up, or they couldn't play organized ball. So not right. only can these play these people play ball, they can play organized ball. They can take direction, and they, you know, I guess doing get, get good enough grades to do, um, you know, somewhat well. Uh, right, and, and the game—it's a global game now. If you think about the NBA's fifteen-man roster, is thirty teams. It's about four hundred and fifty players of the top, top from all around the world. Millions and millions of kids play basketball today, and you know those are the top four fifty. That's—I'm sure—that's way less than a percent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to get even deeper, it's like—what is it like? It's for a lot of these guys. They're like coming from poor backgrounds and it's like one of their only ways to escape their situation. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So for, yeah. and the league is what, like 75% like African-American, you know, minorities, like this is one that one of their ways out of their, you know, situation. Like LeBron always talks about, he was sleeping in cars with his mom before like he actually came to the NBA, you know, or really his high school basketball career took off. So on that level, I kind of get like, you know, being upset about athletes being paid a lot, but at the end of the day, they, they're, inheriting and creating generational wealth for themselves which for a lot of these populations it's not really like a normal thing or at least not yet you know so i think that gotta be taken into consideration too i don't know that's kind of heavy but i had to throw that out there you did throw the deep question it's a heavy podcast <laughs> i told you not so uh i actually wanted to jump back on the topic of the the next talent mm-hmm. as far as the young talent that they have now between rj barrett ob Toppin, kevin knox who do you think has the most upside and most potential? For sure. It's, it would have to be, at least from these last four preseason games, R.J. Barrett easily. Uh, some of his weaknesses were shooting last season, free throw percentage. He's, he's, so far, he's covered up all of them. His shot form looks a lot smoother, uh, a lot better, and he's shooting at a really high rate. He started off the preseason like 0 for 6, and since then, he's shooting at like 70% or something like that. Um, and he just he just looks like that player who's ready to take the mantle and be the guy of the New York Knicks. He has that Stone Cold Killer kind of personality and just ready to be the alpha of New York. So from those guys, I think it would have to be R.J. Barrett. Same here. I, I think it's got to be R.J. That dude's like, my partner just said, he's, he's an alpha. You know what I mean? Like, you could tell right away, even from last year, there would be moments where... He's looking at Randall like he about to like jump him. You know what I mean? Because Randall <laughs> won't pass him the ball. He's just making dumb mistakes. And I looked at that last year. I was like, yeah, this is rare for a rookie. Because like you look at all the other young kids. Like you mentioned Knox. He's always been like a shy kid when he's playing on the court. You know what I mean? He always kind of didn't really rise to the occasion like that. I never had. We never had that worry with RJ. You know what I mean? Like you never had to worry about him being like too shook or too scared. So I think out of all those dudes you mentioned, it's got to be RJ. But I do like Toppin. You know, I think he's he's just going to surprise some people with how good he's going to be. You know what I mean? Last question for, for me. I, why did they select Toppin and not go after, like, a point guard, which 
we haven't had since Jason Kidd, a 40-year-old Jason Kidd, <laughs> like in 2012. Like, why would they pass up on Halliburton, uh, who looks, I mean, he's not crazy athletic, but he can do everything, pretty much play defense, he can, he can score, he can pass the rock. Why would they skip out on a point guard and go, you know, the OB to, uh, top it now? Well, I mean, I think for this one, there's a lot of speculation as to the relationship between the front office and Obi Toppin. Uh, I remember right before the draft, we were kind of panicking because <laughs> there were rumors <laughs> coming out that the Knicks were ready to trade a couple of picks to get to move up in the draft and get Obi Toppin. So when they saw that Toppin fell down to eight, they saw that that was a home run. That was a steal for them. And, um, you know, guys like Halliburton and even Kara Lewis were still question marks and their capability of being able to play at MSG and play in front of Nick fans, even, even though that's not going to happen this season, but willing to really take on that role as being the second best or third best after RJ and Mitchell Robinson. Toppin is a 22-year-old, almost 23 in March, and he's going to be a guy who's definitely more NBA ready to you know, perform and to you know, make the team a lot better. And you know, Halliburton came with a couple of question marks. Kara Lewis uh, is still younger, but I think the Knicks were trying to set themselves up to at least be more competitive this upcoming season. And then they did use that second round pick or a second first pick that they had for a point guard. I think they were looking at Tyrese Maxey, who would have been a solid point guard, and he got drafted. So they went with Emmanuel quickly, who definitely would get props to because he's been killing it the last two preseason games. Yeah, my man Moe just took my point because I was just about to throw that back at you, Muhammad. I mean, what do you think of uh, Emmanuel quickly so far? Because he's been killing it in preseason these yep. last three games. You know, we might have our point guard. You know what I mean? But he seems like more of a combo guard. I, I don't know if he's like a true point guard. Uh, he has a good shot. Um, I think he needs to bulk up just a little bit more. Um, but I, I think he's he can be like a second unit guy, almost like a Lou Williams type mm-hmm. player. I could see that potential in him. Um, but I, I love what the Knicks did, in, you know, with his draft. I mean, I, I wasn't 100% sold on Halliburton. And, and there's a reason why, you know, 12 teams or 13 teams passed up on him. Uh, I get that. But, like, you know, the Knicks have not had a point guard. Again, like, Jason Kidd was, like, 40 years old. And he was pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Even prior to that, they haven't had a point guard for years. So, and, you know, given the, the Knicks' history, they're a point guard-driven sort of franchise, right? Like, they've had those, you know... Um, those top tier point cards in the past. And it's like, we, we haven't seen that yet. Um, yeah. But I do like Toppin. I, I do like what he brings. He's an athletic freak. He reminds me of Amari. Uh, mm-hmm. He has that potential to be, you know, Amari started by, but again, like we're, we're driving, you know, we're, we're starving for that, for that point card, that elite point card that we just haven't had in like 20 years. Right, and I just don't think that the Knicks front office probably thought that the two or so guys left in the draft were capable of being that elite point guard, and they went ahead with Toppin, who they figured could be elite sooner than the rest of the guys on this draft. GMs, or execs rather, put a poll the other day on who they think would be the best player coming out of this draft in five years, and majority voted for Toppin. And they figured nice. he was also third on the list for you know highest chances of being a rookie of the year this upcoming season. So... It seems like the rest of the league is very high on Toppin, which is great. And I think the Knicks, because this draft was before free agency started and trade season really opened up, I think they were kind of hoping for a chance to make a splash with a point guard. Or they might have put in some stock into guys like Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nilkeen as being guys who can uh, you know, step up. And obviously that, that uh, went a different way. <laughs> Me personally, yeah. I, I think that Toppin has a lot of upside. I really like the pick. I honestly didn't think he was going to fall to eight. Um, it's just that now that uh, the roster is a little backloaded with power forwards, mm-hmm. so I'm just a little bit concerned about like uh, his development with Randall, you know, with Randall being there and stuff. 
Yeah, we all yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, we really are. Because, I mean, we, me and Mo have been talking about it lately. It's like, it don't make sense why Randall's still on the team. You know what I mean? Like, the mm-hmm. roster, if you take him off of it, it looks like it makes a lot more sense. You got your two defensive yeah. centers. You got Alfred Payton as a starter. You know what I mean? And then you could have Emmanuel Quickly and Frank tag team in off the bench. You know what I mean? Like, the roster makes sense. But with they Randall also have there, a- yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Um, but they also have Austin Rivers. He hasn't even mm-hmm. been used yet, right? Yep. He could right. he could fit into that somehow. Where do you guys get your information from? So obviously, like you watch the games, but other than that, where do you get your information from? Everywhere on Instagram, you'll see occasionally I'll put up screenshots of of a news article that I'm reading from like the Athletic or ESPN, and these guys are the most verified reports that we trust. And we, I listen to a ton of podcasts myself. I'll, I'll listen to a lot of ESPN ones. Zach Lowe's probably one of my favorite ones to listen to. Uh, Wojnarowski has his own podcast that he, yeah, he has. And we also listen to our own fellow Knicks content creators. There, there are so many of them that, that just came up on the scene the last two years. Uh, when we started this two years ago, there weren't that many available to listen to, maybe like two or three. But now it sounds like, it now feels like there are a lot more, maybe like a dozen that are, you know, pretty good um, to, to listen to. So, you know, a couple of those guys. And as Nafi mentioned below, uh, before, Nothing But Knicks is its own like organization in a way where they have couple of hours of youtube streams every week uh, where they just go over it so mostly I, that's that's where i get my you know content information from twitter is also really good too yeah yeah as far as news like you just follow the best reporters top nba reporters on twitter you should be good and then analysis like my boy mentioned zach Lowe. i've been reading that dude for years just like to get better at reading the game and just watching a lot of basketball too, you know what I mean? Because you can't talk about it if you don't watch it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And similar to my my partner right here, like you got to listen to other content creators too, just because like you got to see what your competition quote unquote is doing, even though it's more so a community, just to kind of better yourself as both a podcaster and just, you know, just somebody with basketball knowledge. You know? Right. It's it's good to have a pulse on what everyone else is saying or thinking exactly. because there's there's also the possibility that we're not correct with our analysis and how we're approaching it. And it's always so uh, not that it ever nah, really that happens, nah, but nah. you know, it's good to it's good to hear what other people are saying just in case it it's good to be open minded. But nah man, if you want to hear about Nick's content, learn more about it, you gotta follow Nickish. That's a fact. Absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to ask you this. So uh, both of you guys, greatest Nick's team, so in terms of year and greatest Nick's player. Oh, okay. Um, Knicks team, I think we got to, I don't know, do you want to count like the 70s? I mean, that's yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, go farther way back. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think that's less the best teams, team. though, right? Less teams. So um, there were less teams back then, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, less teams. But I mean, if you want to keep it technical to teams we've seen ourselves, I think for me personally, it's that 2012, 2013 team. We won like 54 games. We beat Miami four times that season. And I swear to God, we would have beat him in the in the playoffs too if like Mike Woodson didn't like have a brain fart. You know what I mean? Like hmm. he didn't coach a good series against Indiana. We should have won that. So that's yep. to me, that's personally my best team I've seen so far as a fan. So you didn't yeah. watch basketball in the nineties? You're 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 younger than that? No, nah, I did watch it growing up, but it's like I don't count it because like you were a kid. You know what I mean? It's that's like I feel like you didn't become really aware as a fan until like you know what I mean? Like preteen, teenage years, and by then the Knicks, like, our best player was, like, yeah. Jamal Crawford, Dave Robinson, gotcha. Zebo, you know what I mean? So, gotcha. yeah. what I mean, you? if you want to count those 90s teams, we can. Like, that 99 team went yeah. to the finals, you know what I mean? I yeah. vaguely remember that, you know what I mean? But otherwise, I think it's unfair to count that. Yeah, I think all the Knicks teams I, I remember watching were 95% 30 games and below. <laughs> so, I'm going to go with the the one squad that didn't have that, and that it was that 54-win season, which... 
you know, eight years later or seven years later, almost eight, we're talk, we're still, we still talk about them on our podcast and we refer to them. And a lot of Knicks fans and Knicks content creators just think back to that one time that the Knicks were pretty good. Um, but I think, right. <laughs> yeah, I think the easy answer in general would be, you know, probably Walt Frazier and that 73 title team. Um, yeah. But after that, the Knicks have just been, uh, you know, trash <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Um, uh, both of you guys missed best, pl- greatest next player. Frazier, I would say. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Nafi, who did you say? Um, I would say Pat Ewing. I feel like me and my partner kind of go back yeah. and forth on this, but I'm a Pat Ewing guy just cause like he was the only reason we, we were competitive as a franchise in like the golden era. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like Michael Jordan probably would have had an easier time in the East if it wasn't for the Knicks and Pat Ewing was our best player in that era, even though we never really got to win a ring we still went to the finals twice with them you know what i mean in the, like the quote-unquote toughest era so mm. i gotta say him yeah. but he was a warrior yeah um he was definitely a warrior what do you um we're almost wrapping up so i just wanted to get what, what are your goals with the podcast going forward well you know i think i think for this podcast we started it out as you know two guys just talking about basketball but we also kind of saw it as a medium for two guys who, who are also south asian because uh, or bengali because we, I don't think there are any other guys out there who nope. love, who are, you know, South Asian, Bengali, um, who talk about basketball the, the way we do. Uh, and we know that it's, you know, brown guys love basketball. We, we just feel connected to it. A lot of us grew up in inner cities where there was a court in every block and we just felt connected to the game and to the sport. And, you know, as long as we're a podcast where people feel connected to us and follow what we say and, you know, learn and also you know, want to communicate with us and join our show. I think that's, I think that's success to me. Yeah. I mean, same page with that. I mean, the biggest thing is just like, as long as we keep like, it's going to sound corny, but as long as we keep having fun doing this, that's like, that's the only reason we keep doing it, you know? So just kind of keep getting bigger gradually, get to collaborate with other creators. And I think the one thing above all is just keep it authentic. Like my partner said, we're just two brown dudes that grew up in Queens that like love the game of basketball, love the Knicks. And um, there's not a lot out there that's similar to us in terms of content creators. You know what I mean? Like my partner just says South Asian Mongali. There's not really other Nick content creators like that. So it's like to kind of put our like mark in that podcasting territory for our people basically is maybe you could see it that way. But to us, it's just like doing what we love doing, which is talking about, you know, basketball. Yeah, and look, we just spoke for 45 minutes and it doesn't even feel like it. I feel like we're just talking and time just yeah. flew. But yeah, just we go for days. hours sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And I don't even follow basketball like that. I, I'm like, like uh, it's peripheral for me, but I, 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 I follow a little bit here and there. But uh, but it's I actually get most of my news from the thread that I'm with on Sunny and, uh, and, and Mohammed. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's interesting because our parents probably are into like, you know, it's like how how they were really into cricket and stuff like that. I don't know if your parents mm-hmm. are like, that's how, kind of like how we are with basketball. And we take it. Sometimes it gets crazy, right? It gets like really heated and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. We get, we get heated with each other sometimes. Cause we're, yeah. we'll, we'll occasionally reach a point where we disagree and we'll just, we'll just have our own, uh, little, you know, debate going back and forth and it gets heated. And then other fans too, there, there are certain points that fans make that we'll disagree with. And uh, if you watch other Knicks content creators, they have guys that are literally yelling at each other. Cause they don't, one guy says Julius Randall's okay. And the other guy's like, nah, he's, he's, he's trash. So, uh, you know, if Knicks fans are anything, we're passionate because yeah. Yeah. the Knicks, the Knicks have lost so much. So if you, if you've been sticking with them for all these years, you're, you're, 
you're passionate and you know that you love you know the team itself and um the day that the knicks do win it's gonna be a never-ending yeah. tour of trash talking <laughs> from all of us never-ending i can't wait i can't wait so i have the 12th pick tonight i don't know how that happened mohammed probably knows how that happened i don't know how i got the 12th pick so uh he's the admin and uh he he's the only one that knows the settings so i don't know how i got he got what the second pick he's the admin and he got the second pick i got the second pick well i'm, I'm the de facto commish because nobody else wants to be commissioned yeah, you got the second pick. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> who should perks. I pick if I ha- if it's available on this twelfth pick? Who should, I, who should I pick up? Uh, well, you know, funny thing is that I had my draft yesterday. I also had a twelfth pick and a thirteenth wow. pick. Wow. So, um, I actually ended up going with Ben Simmons and then Devin Booker. But I kind of wish Booker I went last year. I kind of wish I went with Jason Tatum instead of Ben Simmons. They're both injury prone oh, players uh, too. Mm-hmm. That was funny. Is I also had my draft yesterday. I had 12 pick. Wow. I had back-to-back. I picked Tatum, <laughs> and I picked Kawhi. Luckily, they were available. Kawhi was That's available? Wow. Yeah. I, I feel yeah, like Kawhi wasn't available for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Let's I feel see. like this is all a sign. The Knicks are going to get the 12 seed. Like, all this 12 everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, Listen, guys, this is a great convo. I appreciate oh, you guys nah. coming on. I'd love to come back and do this again. This is this is dope. Like maybe like mid season or something. This is this is a lot of fun. I enjoy talking to you guys. I listen to you guys, so it's uh, cool talking to you. Um, thanks, Sunny and Big Mood for coming on. Also, for thanks, sure, Cam. Uh, you guys thank are really knowledgeable, by the way. It was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Yeah, uh, Cam, combo. thank you so much for having us. We're we're huge fans of Benghazi, New York. We love the work that you're doing. We hope you continue to do it because I think guys like us who grew up in New York, we don't know as much of our own cult, our own parents' yeah. culture and our own culture. And I think I, I've been learning a ton from your posts every day. And, you know, I hope you continue doing it and we thank you. We have our own Nickish at night that we do every Thursday and we bring in a new guest. So, you know, one of these times we'd love to have you on our show to just talk about, you know, a game that just happened or anything basketball related. Great. Nafi, good to, good to meet you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thank yeah. you. I gotta be honest, with diamonds and pearls, yeah, yeah, Bengali's in New York, all over the world, uh, it's the bony show, uh, can you handle this, representing the boroughs where the bangles live, from the slang we spit, to the gangs we're with, it doesn't matter, we the essence of the Bangladesh, I say, hey, come on, can you handle this, representing the boroughs where the bangles live, from the